0: Welcome in a hardcore Penn State football, a big time show today. Maddie Fresh joining the podcast right here, right now. If you're watching live on YouTube, we have a lot of practice notes to go over, fan questions, of course. Oh, and by the way, a new
1: partnership here with Hardcore PSUFB. So we'll get into all of that and more in this week's episode. Thanks for being here.
0: Welcome to Hardcore Penn State Football. Before you get into the show today, I just want to let you know that we had some audio difficulties uh, with Maddie Fresh's side of things. So if you would like to listen to the Maddie Fresh interview and the preview to his song that drops on Friday, Nittany Nation, I recommend you check that out on our YouTube. I just wasn't able to pull the audio cleanly for the podcast. I apologize for that. Anyway, Sean and I continue for the rest of the show right now enjoy everybody so I guess I mean if you have any other final thoughts on Maddie Fresh we can talk about that or we can just go right into kind of what we buried the
1: lead in yeah I think we have some stuff to talk about
2: stuff we were teasing for a few weeks right and Corey you do the honors
0: as of I guess what last week now huh It's been about a week? Yeah. Officially? It was last Thursday, wasn't it?
2: Last Thursday, so
0: six days. Yeah, so as of a week ago, Hardcore Penn State Football has sponsored or or partnered with um, Mercury, which is a media company led, co-founded
1: by Adam Brenneman. And they reached out to us I think I saw the first like
0: reach out, I think it was back in June, like June 25th or yeah, something like June. that. Um, and so we've been working with them, trying to figure out exactly how this partnership would work. Um, and here we are. So obviously some changes to the, the cosmetic things on the actual podcast on YouTube. And so you've seen those things. There's been some awkward pauses probably in the audio. Um, I'll probably edit some of those out for the podcast. People that are just listening on a podcast um, but some, some changes have occurred and are happening.
1: Um, good changes though. Fantastic changes. Um, that being said, um, people are a little
0: confused by like what the state media is and, and how that works with us. So hardcore PSUFB on all social media platforms is the same. Find us on Twitter, whatever, Instagram, all that stuff's the same. The only thing we're really sharing with them is state media, which is on YouTube. Now, the reason for that is state media is not just our show. There's gonna be likely two other shows. I don't know if they've officially announced who there's gonna be on there, but there's gonna be a former uh Penn State player show. I know Christian Hackenberg has signed and he's he's already kind of spoken about that. Um and I believe Brandon Bell has already said that he's he's involved too so those two at least will be on the post player show and then there is going to be a show with current penn state football players and the reason for that is mercury signed an nil deal with penn state um so that is the reason for why we will likely be able to you know have additional coverage and and potentially more interviews so we'll be working with Mercury with Adam and with others Christian Ackerberg Brandon Bell etc um and because of that we'll have a lot more opportunities to interview people whether that's former Penn State players whether that's current Penn State players etc
1: uh we'll we'll get some of that pie so um which is pretty awesome and and we'll get
0: a lot of uh just a lot of help in the world of editing and marketing etc so we're really excited about that as well
1: yeah,
2: yeah, we're thrilled, absolutely thrilled. Um, so the show is going to be the same. I know we got some questions about that, like, you know, how's it gonna, you know, how's it gonna be? Is it are there gonna be differences? And kind of like what Corey said, we're gonna get help with editing. Uh, videos are gonna look better. We're gonna be getting really interesting and really good, uh, interviews. Um, and yeah it's everything we've been doing except it's going to be better <laughs> so uh that's the good news for you um and yeah we're just we're so so excited by this opportunity we're thankful uh thankful for mercury for you know reaching out to us and thinking of us and trusting us and we just we can't wait to we- I mean well, we've already started, uh but we can't wait to get into football season with this um and yeah, ceiling is the roof,
1: yeah, it's uh i'm
0: i like I'm excited, don't get me wrong, it's just the uh there's been a lot of stuff behind the scenes today, especially today to get it all taken care of, and so like it's been a it's been an <laughs> exciting day. But it's been like a kind of a stressful day at the same time. So just because I maybe don't sound very excited, I very much indeed am very excited. It's just been a lot of work today uh, to to kind of get everything over. But really, we appreciate everyone that's been listening um, here on YouTube, but also on the podcast as well. Because, I mean, just just so that you guys know, our numbers have been fantastic leading up to this partnership. Like really fantastic. Like we've been moving in the right direction for the last month now awesomely on our own and so we're just excited for what what could potentially come from here so um yeah sean any other final thoughts on that i'm sure i missed things um in regards
2: to like what exactly but i think we covered most of it yeah and well a little bit about mercury like they're partnering too with um lion legacy club so they're gonna be involved in il space uh, you know this Friday. Uh, Hacken- Christian Hackenberg, Adam Brenneman. Uh, they're having an event down at down at, down at at the Beave. Um, I think it starts at 10 a.m. You could double check me on that. And uh, yeah, you could get a chance to catch a pass from Christian Hackenberg. You run out of the tunnel. They're going to show you all around Beaver Stadium. And looks like it's going to be really dope. So I know they only got a few spots left, but if that's something you're interested in, definitely go check it out. It's all over our Twitter page. It's all over Mercury's. Uh, Hack actually just talked about it too on his own Twitter feed. So if that's something you're interested in, go check it out. Yeah, Sean, why don't
0: you just keep talking about it? Because I did pull the graphic.
2: Yeah. So like I said, uh, I think go. you're going to be able to get your name up on the big board. So. Yeah, and, well, actually, I mean, it's, I'll just it's, say it's
1: but. I was just going
0: to say the the most important thing in my in my mind about this that I feel like maybe wasn't covered enough was the fact that it's $300, but that includes two people. I think a lot of people are like, "Oh my gosh, $300 for one person, that's insane." You're it's $300 for you and one person. And to do all the things Sean just mentioned, let alone catching pass from Hackenberg and, and, you know, run routes of Adam Brenneman and the tour. Like, I don't, I, I did a, like a, a, Penn state locker room tour. Like when I was a little kid, I don't remember how much it was, but I'm just assuming like a, a tour of Beaver stadium tour of the locker room, tour of the, the, the suites and the press box, as well as running onto the field. They don't even ever let you on the field on the grass ever anyway, especially this close to the season. Um, so just to do that alone, I'm sure is more than $150. So it's a, uh, it's a pretty solid deal.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely check it out. Um, like Corey said, it's actually, you know, pretty decent bang for your buck and it benefits, and I, it benefits the NIL fund. So you'll be helping out the program and enjoying a day, uh, enjoying your day with, um, with a friend, with a you know, spouse, your child, uh, if you don't have any of those, you could go find a friend. You
1: know?
0: It's
1: a good you know. first
2: date opportunity, too. <laughs> We're matchmaking here again. Yeah. I mean, if you go on Bumble and if they hit you up, <laughs> just go, hey, want to go to Beaver Stadium with me on Friday? Uh, maybe don't lead with that. But if the conversation's going well, you could put that in there.
0: Right. Right, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily lead with that either, but um, yeah,
2: it sounds a little weird if you lead with it, but yeah.
0: Alrighty, um, we kind of jumped ahead a little bit there. Uh, The next thing I wanted to talk about was Penn State players in the preseason. Sean, Uh, we talked pretty extensively about Sean Clifford already with the Packers, the most Sean Clifford game ever, right? I mean, (laughs) I was gonna say the same thing, yeah, like Sean Clifford in that first half alone had two interceptions. I will argue the one interception, the receiver didn't come back for the ball whatsoever, but led the Packers on multiple scoring drives, um, and did some really good things and, uh, had some really Sean Clifford esque plays, like move out in the pocket and throw a dart on the run. He did some really solid things that I was pretty impressed with. So I don't think he hurt himself at all. And, uh, If he can just have one game where he kind of just takes care of the football, I think,
1: uh, I think he's well on his way. To unseating Jordan love.
0: I don't know about unseating. I I think you got to get into the season, right? Like, yeah, but these, these reps are crucial for him. And, uh, I don't want to say you could see a mid-season switch, but I don't think Jordan Love is uh, is just going to get the full season no
2: matter what. So we'll see. No, I I don't think so either. Um, yeah, he like, like like Corey put it perfectly, and I was going to say pretty much the same exact thing as most Sean Clifford game. Couple interceptions, but then scoring drives. He could he has the ability to make the wow throws that. I really don't think he got enough credit for when he was here. Uh, he always had that in his arsenal, um, and he'll drive you nuts sometimes. But there's sometimes you're just like, okay, so this guy's definitely like a top three quarterback in college football, right? <laughs> he just he does things like that, and that that's who he is. And a guy like that could stick around in the NFL because he has it up here. And you, and teams will keep him as a backup because they're like, all right, if our starter goes down, Sean could go win us a game. He could lose us a game too, but he gives us a chance. There are so many backup quarterbacks that just give you no juice at all. And you just know you're getting nothing from him. Where I don't think Sean's ever going to be that quarterback. Sean's always going to give you a shot. And that's what you want, a backup quarterback. Right. And, and I think... I think to
0: a certain degree, like you get some sort of level of momentum if he comes in the game, right? Like he's going to provide some sort of oomph. And, and to have that in a backup quarterback could, could really well, like, turn the
1: whole game around if, if you need him to. So. Sure. Um, Matt McLean, 2010. You know,
0: he came in for the Cowboys a couple of times and. Feel like he didn't have that same oomph that you were hoping he would have. Raiders, right? Well he was with Oh yeah, I think he played the Cowboys. Yeah, I think it was Raiders. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah, he didn't but Cliff has more arm talent than
1: Maddie did. That's true. That's true. Um,
0: I want to get to Jahan Dotson t- catching a touchdown pass. Um, because it was a heck of a catch, heck of a grab. Uh I saw there was a a bet out there. I don't know what sports book it was on over under six and a half touchdowns for Jahan Dotson. And I would, I would probably bet my life savings that he finds a way to have seven touchdowns this year. Like that. I think he got
2: eight last year. He got
0: hurt. So
2: if that's his over under hammer, the over,
0: (laughs) right? I mean, that should be easy. Provided he
2: stays healthy. Of course.
0: Right. Right. Um, Juice Scruggs. Center for the Texans, rookie. Uh, There was, unfortunately, injury to the starting center for the Texans. So now he's running with the ones. So he's got a former Ohio State quarterback from last year, C.J. Stroud. Um, He's got those hands right under his bum. So
2: Yeah, I think Laramie Tunsil referred to him as a dog. And if you're referring to a rookie as a dog, I mean, that's high praise, especially from Laramie Tunsil, who I think is the highest paid left tackle in football.
0: Yeah, he's, he's fantastic. Um, yeah. And we mentioned Juice Scruggs and how important he was on the team last year, so um, very excited to see what he can do with this opportunity. Uh, Tig Brown played on Sunday. I didn't really watch the game, but he racked up a bunch of tackles, had a couple really impressive tackles in open in open field, so uh, that was good to see. Sean, did you see the Arnold ABKD sack on your beloved Dolphins? I did, yeah. He
2: took the ball right from Skyler Thompson. So, it, it was classic AK too. Just around the corner, tackle oh, had no chance because he's a dolphin, and just he was just like, "I'll take you down and take the ball." Thanks. He got up <laughs> and, all nonchalantly that he had the football yeah, in his hand. Yeah. He like, yeah, like, just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a fumble, and
0: nobody seemed to care whatsoever that he had it. Like referee threw the little flag out there, some you know signaling a fumble, <laughs> and he just gets up with the ball. Like thanks, and yeah, that was funny. Uh, that spin move was a- just
2: filthy just filthy yeah, i mean that guy is he's gonna ha- he's gonna have a home in the nfl for a long time just just as a pure pass rusher he's gonna be a guy that probably makes a whole lot of money too
0: yeah i mean if you can uh, get to double digits he hasn't had that many sacks in his career yet um but yeah he had to get a little bigger but i think he has if he can get double digit sacks i mean watch out uh Parker Washington, Brenton Strange, played for the uh, Jaguars. I think Washington only had one catch, but he also returned some kicks. So if he can show his versatility there, he should be looking good to make the roster if he continues to do that. So uh, I think he had like 44 yards and return yards for all the punts, and I don't know if he did kicks too. Yeah, but So that was some good stuff there. Is there anyone else you really wanted to mention, Sean? Uh,
2: Yeah, Joey Porter Jr., uh, was out. He's supposedly yeah. okay, though. They think he might play in the next preseason game, and I hope he does. Just, just because he's a rookie, and uh, rookies need the reps. So, uh, I was actually excited to watch the Steelers. I had, I had the, they were my uh, local game. Um, and I, as I turned the TV on, I just saw Joey Porter Jr. not playing, and I just felt so defeated. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think you touched on everybody else that I wanted to talk about, so...
0: Yeah, there's um, a lot of, like, how do, Penn State how starters in play. play. Do you know? I do not know. I didn't even look that up. I don't know either. Maybe somebody on YouTube can tell us. Yeah. Um. Okay. I wanted to move on. There's a couple of random notes here that I wanted to mention.
1: Maybe I'll steal the screen away for a second. Is it this one? Oops. How about that one? There we go. Um, Freakless, Sean. Bruce Feldman's
0: freakless comes out every year, usually 100, 101 players. So it's a huge honor to be on there. Uh, Penn State had the most players I think I've ever seen. They might have had the most players of of any team because they had a bunch. Um, Chop Robinson, Jordan Vandenberg, Olu Ashanu, Nick Singleton, Zane Durant, and Abdul Carter all made... The Freaks list, which uh, if you if you read The Athletic, which I would recommend it. I mean, there's some stuff that they do is just crazy. Um, my biggest thing, though, Jordan Vandenberg. I mean, we're going to talk about him a lot this this uh, preseason. But Jordan Vandenberg just I mean, he's he's strong. He's he's a large man, but he can actually still move pretty well, too. So um, Jordan Vandenberg, to me, is a guy that people really need to pay attention to, Sean.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think he kind of gets lost in the shuffle sometimes. Same thing with Zane Durant. Uh, I think there's so much star power in that front seven and at the defensive end positions that the defensive tackles oftentimes get a little lost. But I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I The, the closer we get to the season, maybe it's the preseason excitement, admittedly. The more I'm optimistic about these defensive tackles and the more I think, okay, PJ has gone. But I think in the aggregate, we're going to be, we're going to be just fine. there. I really do. I, I wanted to see them get bigger in the offseason, They did. And I think they got a solid five or six guys that they feel that, that they're going to feel comfortable with. And that's really what you need at defensive tackle spot you need five or six. So uh Davon Townley too. He's a name that you keep hearing come up, so look we'll out for him. Okay, well I wanna sh- scoot on over
0: to AP poll real quick and just mention that uh Penn State came at number seven. We don't really care about the preseason AP poll. We don't really care about the AP poll very much at all. Um, Michigan two Ohio State three. I think Wisconsin was in there, but as far as teams that Penn State plays, Iowa comes in at 25th um, and and that's about it. We actually have a fan question a little bit later in the show about one of those teams so um yeah I'm not cool I guess Iowa 25 is fine. I wouldn't have them any higher so whatever
2: yeah. Um, I mean I would like them to be ranked coming in. But I don't know if they'll get by the Cyclones. Cyclones are a weird team, though. Like you never really know what you're getting with them. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, Ball State added to the 2028 schedule. Penn State played them one time, and I was back in 2021. 21. Yeah.
2: First game post-COVID.
0: That's right. Won like 41-13. Yeah. First home game
2: post-COVID. Yeah. Was that right? Yeah, I was I was in attendance. It was a beautiful day. Was it actually 4113? So it was something. It might have been 4413. I think we had a weird number.
0: Yeah, I know we did have a weird number. Um Ball State has not really done well since then. So, we'll see if they They were coming out of that year, they were actually the MAC champion, so
2: Yeah, there is a lot of there are a lot of nerves for that one. And I actually walked out of there feeling pretty confident about the team. And then we beat Auburn, and I felt really confident. And then the Lenova game happened, and I stopped feeling confident. <laughs> uh, how
0: about Drew Aller signing a deal, a Bose deal, with headphones and uh, providing all of the offensive linemen with headphones just because? That was pretty cool to see. Also, yeah, your quarterback a smart move because they're the ones that are protecting you
2: damn right i mean this is a move that you see a lot in at the nfl like the quarterback will yeah. take their offensive lineman to a fancy restaurant or or something like this or he'll buy them all rolexes so yeah you want to keep them happy also uh, i don't know if you saw this or not It just came over twitter right when i sat down nick singleton just signed a multi-year nil deal with Roback. to the shirt
1: company I believe so. They're actually really nice shirts. We should try to get a deal with them.
2: Yeah, yeah, active Wear brand. Uh, K Club Nick is also signed by them. So,
1: Very so, nice. Congratulations that was some breaking news.
2: Congratulations, Nick Singleton.
1: Yeah, I was going to plug that
0: Mercury experience, but we already kind of did that, so we're good there. Uh, We can get into the practice notes, I guess, if you're ready to do that.
2: Yeah, let's do it and a lot to say
0: yeah uh first of all i was not at the practice it was actually like a tornado watch that day but i had some other things going on as well um not a nice day not a nice day at all i was kind of like i thought they were gonna do it at beaver stadium and and that obviously changed which i guess it was a good thing because the weather was bad but um i know james franklin kind of wanted them to do it in beaver stadium originally uh that I want to mention two things. Obviously, it was wet for some of that practice. So the things you hear coming out of that practice, just keep in mind it was wet. Um, the second thing I think is almost more important was Penn State's offense was practicing being backed up in their own
1: red zone. And so they weren't really... They moved the ball back a couple times
0: once the offense had kind of got out of there. And so just because there wasn't a bunch of scoring, it wasn't a scrimmage, it was a practice for situations. So that wasn't, um, you know, there's a little bit to play with that as well. Uh, just wanted, before we get started on all these notes. Um, Sean, you want to start offense or defense? Or special
1: teams, for that matter? Um, let's go offense. Okay. Let's go offensive line. Um, let's.
0: Olu Ashenu, kind of on a pitch count from what it sounded like as far as not needing a bunch of reps, kind of we, they already know who he is and um, wasn't out there for the practice. You had drew Shelton at left tackle kind of an interesting thought. I'm, I'm like, I get it. Um, curious if that plays into the season. Like, do you play him for all of the UMass game? Do you play him for all of the Delaware? I mean, obviously if you're blowing him out, you probably won't play a lot of people, but, does that kind of light reps translate to the game or is that just for practice? I think it's just for practice, but it's something to at least pay attention to. And is that all of a sudden, or is that because maybe he's not hundred percent yet? Will that eventually go away? I don't know, but that's the first time we'd really heard about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think they're taking things easy with Olu. Uh, you know, the weird thing about him, and I'm not saying I disagree with it because he's a smart kid we all know he's really good. He's only played in nine games. Right, nine or ten games since he's been here. So in a way I kinda of think maybe it's a good idea to give him more reps, but they know way more about his uh his availability and what he could do than we do. So I'm not gonna question that too much. But I would like but um I think that's just going to be what it is. Uh, also, to note, uh, Landon Tangwall was not practicing. Yeah, and little concern about that. Franklin said that on Monday that he's dealing with some bumps and bruises, so he doesn't. See- it it doesn't seem like it's going to be something long term, because even though Franklin doesn't talk about injuries, he, he will give you like. Them. Yeah, he. If you ask him, he will tell. He he'll again if you read between the lines with him, he'll let you know if it's something serious or not. Uh, I also want to note, uh, Drew Shelton was playing both left and right side, and uh, J.B. Nelson was the one filling in for Wall. so he seems to be, uh, you know, the backup guard right now over Big, Big Ione. Uh, and from everything that I've heard, like the 247 podcast was saying, they think J.B. Nelson Nelson has NFL potential. Like, he's not just, you know, some backup guy, uh, you know, kind of like a spare tire. Like, they think that guy could seriously play. And it just, it kind of goes to show you just how far we've come because we've had guys on the offensive line start, who were borderline Big Ten players. And if you want to do the kinds of things we want to do, like compete for a national championship, you can't have just borderline starting offensive linemen on your team. Right. You just can't. You can barely afford to have them in the 2D. So I think that just shows you how healthy our depth is at the offensive line position. And that's a story pretty much all over the team.
1: Yeah, I would say... You know, it'd be nice to know who that, who that uh,
0: fourth left tackle is, or fourth offensive tackle in general is. You you have Caden Wallace, you have Alou Fashinu, and you have Drew Shelton. Who's that fourth guy? You know, Tangwall can bump out. JB Nelson can even bump out. Um, You know, who who is that person, and, and and who will step up in that role if that you know has to happen? So. Uh, I know that was something even in the spring, James Franklin was kind of curious in. So, um, yeah, just that—that's one thing. I—I'm glad you brought up J.B. Nelson because that was yeah someone that was brought brought up quite a bit. I wanted to mention Hunter Norzad ad too because that has not really been a question mark at all, or really even brought up as a question mark, which I think is a good thing. You know, you mentioned what to get out of press conferences. Well, it's also things that weren't said, right? and center has not really been brought up at all. So I think he's uh, instilled some confidence with the staff there. Um, we don't really, we, we think Dawkins is finally healthy behind him, so you actually might feel pretty good about the center position right now, um, as well as you can. So, and, and to, to that point too, Sean, we haven't heard very much about Sal Warmly this offseason. I feel like he's just been plugging away. He's got a little bit bigger from when we went over the weight, but, you know, he 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 seems to be doing pretty solid in his own right. So uh I think you gotta feel pretty good about where the offensive line is. And I just want to wrap it up since we're being so positive. Caden Wallace is doing a fantastic job. I mean, we saw some reps during the Big Ten film that they showed, and he was holding his own against Abdul Carter, et cetera, and you know, he had some really good reps against Denai Dennis Sutton. I mean I think Caden Wallace and this might be the year Caden Wallace figures it all out and and then that just takes this whole you know, we said what, a couple of weeks ago, Kane Wallace is not gonna lose the right tackle job. So what you need to be doing is to be rooting for Kane Wallace to get better, not not for Drew Shelton to take his spot.
1: And I think as far as we know, that's happened.
2: Seems to be. Um and that's that that's a good that's the way it's supposed to be. Like you want your older guys to be starting over the younger guys ideally. I mean, Sometimes the younger guy is so good that you can't keep him off the field, but ideally you'd want the experience combined with being your best player at that spot, and that's what Caden Wallace has. And I know Franklin mentioned that he's one of the um, the the uh, he's part of the foundation of that offensive line. That's a word Franklin used. So I think they they seem very happy with Caden Wallace and overall I thought he had a good year last year and those who listened to the show uh, going into 2022 season know I was pretty nervous about Caden Wallace and uh, Bryce after that uh, rotation but it ended up working out uh working out fine when Caden was in the lineup
1: yeah
0: yeah yeah no 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 for sure any other offensive line uh, comments before we move on
2: uh no, I, I, I had something about Dawkins too, but you you covered him pretty well, so yeah. sweet.
1: Great. Um think, good line. I think I'm feeling good about it.
0: I'm feeling very good about it, to be honest with you.
1: I'm feeling better than I probably should, but feeling really good. Uh let's go to tight end. I don't have that
0: much. Uh Joey Schlafer had a touchdown catch from Jackson Smolik during the practice. And I just wanted to reiterate what we've been saying about Khalil Dinkins this whole time. He's probably the number three tight end on the roster, which you think, Oh, number three, that's not great, but Theo Johnson and Ty Warner are going to be gone next year. So, you know, he, is he, very well could be the number one guy come this time next year. And so someone you should definitely be paying attention to, uh, Khalil Dinkins making some money moves.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Franklin mentioned, I think quite a bit, uh, in, in his post-practice comments uh and uh I, I think theo johnson has also been highlighted as being a strong leader in that role. so um i know there was some there were some questions about you know could he potentially be suspended to start the season you know due to the off-season incident that he had i don't reading between the lines i don't think that's going to happen um, and there's really not been nothing but positive about his uh, leadership ability. So, yeah. And uh, Andrew Rappelier is there. And, um, you know, did, we've heard some pretty good things about him. And then Joey Schlaffer, uh, the only touchdown on Saturday. So, shout out to him making, making, um, making a little bit of noise during the open practice. You ready to talk wide receiver? Feel like we never talk about wide
1: receivers. No, never, never, ever.
0: <laughs> um, I want to clarify maybe some comments I made last week. I do think your number one wide receiver, and then your next best wide receiver right now is Harrison Wallace, being Keiondre Lambert Smith, then then then
1: ha- Her- uh, Harrison Wallace, Trey Wallace. But I don't think there's
0: a large gap between Harrison Wallace and Omari Evans, Dante Cephas, Liam Clifford. And Franklin made the comment the other day about there hasn't really been enough separation or any separation between some of those guys. I, you can take that two ways, right? You can take that as nobody's stepping up or you can take it as everyone's stepping up and it's making their decision really hard. Um, I feel pretty good about the wide receivers for where we're at right now. Uh, the good news is that they're going to continue to get better against this defense. It sounded like, based off of the practice, again, wet balls, there was a couple drops, but they were taking deep shots. Like I think Drew Aller maybe threw it 10, 11 times, 12 times during practice that, we, that they saw, and he was throwing deep maybe 50% of the time. So take that for what you will don't know how much of the offense you're actually showing, but they're also not going to reinvent the wheel out there either. So um, I still really like Omari Evans. I, I think maybe Trey Wallace needs to be discussed a little bit. I know PSU Dillon, uh friend of the pod, brought up Harrison Wallace the other day on Twitter.
1: Liam Clifford is still the technician. I still like Omari Evans though, Sean. What about Mr. Cephas? I don't know, you know. I I feel
0: I think I'll feel better about Dante Cephas come week five, right? Like, get let me get into October before I label what I think of
2: Cephas because I just don't I just know. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense because he's adjusting to number one, a whole new conference and a whole new level of competition, and he's adjusting to a new offense and. In this receiver room, I mean, there are no true freshmen really competing for playing time. I think Carmelo Taylor's going to be redshirted. And yeah, everybody else has already at least a year in the system. So he's going to be a little behind in that way. Um, I know people have said that um, uh, Cephas's hands really sh- Really um really impressive. I mean it's it actually sounds a lot like how we heard about Mitchell Tinsley going to last season. Um, you know, possession guy can move the chains. And yeah. And Franklin also said that nobody really, and he included, he didn't like say besides Keandre Lambert Smith and besides uh Harrison Wallace. He said nobody's really separating from the packet receiver. And there's kind of a new guy all the time. And, you know, that could be that could be interpreted in a couple of different directions. It could be interpreted as we don't have a true number one receiver, which I would argue it ain't last year either. Or it could be interpreted as um, it could be kind of it could be interpreted kind of in a positive light, in that they're all good to really good and we have a lot of depth and there's a lot of, there are a lot of guys we can trust. So take it for what you will. But I think Franklin still wants to see more, especially from those top two guys.
0: Yeah, no, no, I I get that. And uh, the good news is we'll, we'll learn more about it. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it quite a bit on next week's show. The, uh, the preview show. Um, quarterbacks, I kind of mentioned it already a little bit. Drew Aller um, probably wasn't his best practice on Saturday. Again, it was pretty wet out. They didn't obviously just let him do his own thing. What we have heard, though, from unnamed sources, uh, Drew Aller is very good at football, which probably doesn't need very much convincing, but hearing from somebody that's been around the program quite a bit, for for somebody to say the words E-L-I-T-E to us, was was kind of you know a big deal, and so to uh, Sean, when we heard that, I was pretty. I mean, I took that to mean something, right? It wasn't like somebody off the street told me that Drew Aller is elite. Somebody, I think, you know, we we uh, feel is pretty credible, and it got me pretty excited, right? If 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 Drew Aller really does play to the level that maybe he could play to, or fans are expecting him to play to, I mean. You look at games like Illinois versus Iowa, even the Ohio State and Michigan games, those get a lot easier. Uh, thing Things become a little bit more clear, Sean.
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, first off, yeah, we have unnamed sources now. How about that? Secondly, um, I wish the day was nicer because... I mean number one, just just for the fans and everything and people who you know, travel to go there, I would have traveled to go there, uh, but I was in as in the big apple. um And the other reason I wish it was nice was you could get a real you could get a real feel for the team there, because when you're going up against a defense who I think is going to be the best defense in the big Ten pretty much any offense in the country is going to struggle. And that's what we saw on Saturday. That's what they saw on Saturday. I mean, Aller didn't look his best. And they didn't really have him even throw that much. I think he only threw like 14 or 15 passes the whole day. And like Corey said, half of them were deep balls. And those are already low percentage throws. And then you factor in the rain, you factor any strolling against guys like Kalen King. So, I don't think you got a really good look at the offense on Saturday, and I, I combine that with Olu uh didn't participate in much of the in much of the eleven on eleven stuff. So, I I think it's hard to get a lot out of it from from the quarterback uh, position specifically. It's cool. It is cool to note that Jackson Smolk had the only touchdown pass though. So. I mean, you continue just hearing good things. You continue to hear good things about that kid and the improvements he's made since the spring.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to mention, I I don't know if we saw the best from Bo Pervila that day either. I think he was a little bit eager to take off and run. Take that for what you will. Um, Also, Mm -hmm. you don't know how well somebody can scramble in practice because if somebody gets it anywhere close to them, they call him down. You know, he might not actually be down. That eight-yard run actually might have gone right. for 17. I mean, how many times do you see, you know, Trace McSorley, Sean Clifford, think he's going to go down and he he breaks a large run? I mean, tackling a quarterback in space isn't the easiest thing in the world. So um, that just unfortunately doesn't play to his benefit. That being said, you still would like him to be a good thrower, especially in a Mike Yursich system versus maybe a, Joe Moorhead, John Donovan system. So we'll have to kind of keep an eye on that. But it'll be very interesting post-Aller to see where things end up, right? Which I know is very far away. We still have two years. But where do things go from there? Because Drew Aller, his arm strength alone is probably going to be enough. And, and he might have just enough wiggle. But after that, if you don't have a surefire, sure surefire five-star right there, do you lean more towards a guy who has a little bit of ability to run or do you, do you kind of trust maybe a Jackson Smolik who can run, but maybe is just a more accurate passer. So just something to keep in mind way, 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 way deep down the road there. Um, I want to finish with yeah. running back, Sean. We mentioned him last week, I think, and then sure enough, he played a bunch in the practice and that's Trey Potts. Don't sleep on Trey Potts. Uh He's going to see a lot of reps. I think he caught a couple of balls out of the backfield as well. He came back knowing where Katron Allen and Nick Singleton were at. And I don't think he's very scared at all to 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 fight for for reps against these two guys. So I'm a big Trey Potts fan. And I think you'll see him a lot this fall, especially against maybe some of the lesser teams that Penn State faces. I do think Penn State fans need to pay attention to the fumbling because they did have some fumble issues as a unit on Saturday. And obviously go back to that Northwestern game and how many fumbles during that game. I'm not saying I'm worried about it, Sean, but I'm, I'm a little skeptical. I'm, I'm going to be paying attention closely to that moving forward. And if there is a wet game early and we see some fumbles, I, I might upgrade myself to concern.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we play in Big Ten country and in Big Ten country, you could get weather from pushing 90 to 20. It could be really rainy, it could be beautiful, it could be snowy. You just and sometimes it's week to week, you know, and that's just the reality of playing here. It's not we're not playing in Southern California. And it's it is what it is and you got to be able to hang on to the ball in tough conditions because if we're playing in Ohio State of Michigan or even a team like Iowa or Illinois who could beat us if we play bad they're not the 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 committee isn't just going to say oh well when they played Illinois it rained out that's not the way it works you have to be able to overcome bad weather um so tad concerned but I would also say a fumble here and there in the rain, it does it could happen to the best of us, but it can't happen like we did last year in the Northwestern game. It just that can't happen. Um Right. Yeah, I share what you're saying about Trey Potts. Uh the guy's a proven commodity. Uh he's played a lot of football. Uh he played the entire twenty twenty one season after um Mo Ibrahim got hurt. So he knows how to be a starting back in this conference and he's going to be our third guy and he could play a small but key role in this offense. Like if we need third and a yard, there's a decent chance he's going to get, he could get the ball, especially if Ktron might need a blow or something like to get that one yard. Maybe it's a little hot takey. I, I might take Trey Potts over Nick Singleton and that's nothing against Nick. I mean, I might, rather him i mean i i remember uh andre robinson when saquon was here he had some key first down move the chain runs and he obviously wasn't saquon but he was able to go and get two or three yards here and there and i think that's a lot of what we're gonna get with with trey potts uh i also want to note that london montgomery impressed a little bit uh, he's coming off an ACL tear. Uh, he didn't play his senior year high school at scrap prep. Uh, but, um, he's supposed he's, he's doing some good things. I didn't hear a lot about, um, ab- uh, about Cam Wallace in this practice, but we have yeah. heard in the past about him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still so high on Cam backs, Wallace.
2: Running backs are good, man. I think they're,
0: I think this is a special group. I really do. It was nice to hear positive news about Montgomery right coming off of the injury didn't really know what to expect so that that was that made me feel good uh let's go let's go special teams because we talked about all I,
2: rainbows and butterflies there
0: yeah well and we have a question later on in the show so i don't think we have to go too deep right this second on it because somebody i don't know who it was um had a fan question on it but just briefly um they made some solid kicks. Sanders Sahadak and Alex Falcons from pretty far out. I think Sahadak did make a fifty-something yarder. Um, As Higgins and YouTube says, Tank Smith, the goat. Um,
1: So that yeah, was good to see.
0: The- but they also yep. missed a couple, and there were some consistency questions there. And, and the same thing we've said about punter as well. So I don't know if it's anything new from last week, because I feel like we talked about it quite a bit last week, Sean. Um, but we'll we'll get to the fan question in a little bit. But still, still not exactly resolved there at special teams.
2: No, no, it's 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 a fluid situation at especially at place kicker and punter. Um, the twenty four seven pod mentioned a name that I remember hearing in passing, but they mentioned uh, Ryan Barker. Uh Tyler Donahue said he was the most accurate in Saturday's practice. So maybe Ryan Barker makes a uh makes a bit of a move here. I uh I think it's wide open. Uh <laughs> and it would just and maybe maybe the price will be right for Mr. Barker.
0: <laughs> you could go Bob Barker, you could go Travis Barker. Lots of Barkers you could go with there. <laughs>
2: Let's go defensive line. I don't know if, if we mentioned he is the this. kicker, the price is right, pawns are going to be out the wazoo from years,
0: truly. Yeah, I really hope. No offense to him, but I hope he doesn't get the job then, to be honest with you. I don't <laughs> really want to hear this. Um, <laughs> let's go defensive line. I don't know if we mentioned it last week. I don't know if it happened all the way back to last week or not, but defensive tackle Alonzo Ford Jr., who had transferred from Old Dominion. Is out for the season. I don't know when that news dropped, but I wanted to make sure we covered that. Um, don't really know where he was gonna play in that lineup of six guys or so, but does hurt the depth no matter what. He he's not done though, so he has some you know he'll be able to come back next year. Um from practice, we heard good things about Amin Vanover, Zariah Fisher again, and then Shocker, Jordan Vandenberg. His name just keeps on popping up as a guy to pay attention to. You know, you talk about that defensive tackle spot and you have Beeman and you have Izzard. Then you might have Devon Ellis and, and Vandenberg. I just think Vandenberg is going to continue to fight to get himself. I don't know if he'll he'll break the starting lineup, but right now I, I feel like he might be the third guy.
2: I think he is. Yeah. Uh, just, just based on what we've heard. Like, I think Zane Durant is also competing for that spot, but I hear more Gosh, about yeah. Jordan, Jordan Vandenberg right now. <laughs> yeah. And I think they're both going to play a ton. I mean, we don't, we don't just stick with two or three defensive tackles throughout a game. We play a lot of guys, so... Um, I didn't hear a lot about um, Izard, but... But yeah, Vandenberg's name no. came up, and... Um, Franklin, I, I know to get away from defensive tackles. Uh, Franklin said Smith Vilbert's injury happened in the spring, so if he could come back next year, he does have a six-year eligibility if he wants it. Um, and sounds like Franklin is pretty open to potentially having him back. Um, he should, if it happened like early in this early in the off season, there's a pretty good chance he could be ready to go uh, by the beginning of next season. I
0: actually didn't catch that, so I appreciate that. Um, I'm here for me. I actually kind of forgot about Danny Durant, which is just there's so many defensive tackles. It's almost kind
1: of hysterical when you look back and you're like... People were complaining about the depth or unsure. I know there's some unproven
0: depth there, but you could argue we have more depth this year than last year. So It's just kind of an interesting spot to be where we're at, Sean, with the defensive tackles.
2: Yeah, and we didn't even mention Debon Ellis. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it would have been nice to have Alonzo Ford. Uh, we didn't, you know, Franklin doesn't just take guys willy-nilly from the portal. He typically takes a guy to fill a need, and they're very careful with who they offer and the positions they offer. Uh, so it's a bummer that we lost him. But like you said, um, he, he'll be back at least next year.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yep uh defensive end we've we've discussed them quite a bit last week too but they're still very good i don't know if we have to go too far down that rabbit hole on on what those guys um be kind of interesting from behind like the, the younger guys where the younger guys are going to be like the Jamil lions the Mapoyes, the robinsons you know where are they going to be obviously they can play in four games how how much do they develop and Throughout this year, we'll kind of learn where maybe those guys stack up, but we've got plenty of time for that. Linebackers, I think we have to start with Kobe King, right? I mean, Kobe King is making some money moves. We thought maybe he was a little bit more athletic than Tyler Ellison Then he had the spring when Tyler Ellison was banged up, and I feel like he's taking advantage of it. I don't know if we would say he's going to start over him yet, but I I think both of these guys are going to continue to play a lot, and I think you feel better about those two. Uh, and in Kobe King's uh, scenario, I think he knows where he needs to be sometimes. I feel like sometimes he might have been out of position. There's no issue about what to do once he gets there. Um, but it's just making sure he's where he needs to be. And if he if he cleans that up, I mean, I, I, I think he's going to be fantastic at the mic.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're definitely hearing a lot of positive things about Kobe King going into this season. And as somebody who's worried about the Mike linebacker spot a bit, I feel better than I did at the beginning of August, just because Kobe King's name keeps coming up as a guy who's improved. And like you said, he more knows, he knows more about where to go. And that's the key. uh, That's the key of being the Mike is being able to read your keys and just knowing where to be and where to line up and good gap discipline. And that's something that I think King and Elliston, and even even to a certain extent, you know, some, some of the other guys like Carter, uh, they, they struggled with the times last season. Uh, Carter, because he was a freshman, and then Elliston and King, because they were also inexperienced. So a lot of that comes with time and just reps. And I think things are starting to really click for Kobe King based on what we've heard.
0: Yeah. Uh, Dom DeLuca. I know you'll like this one, Sean, the takeaway King so far oh. in camp, not a defensive back, not a safety. Uh, Dom DeLuca, just a, a ball magnet is what I believe a couple, I don't know if that was Terry Smith called him that, but uh, Dom DeLuca's a guy Potentially, to that could wear that number zero. That that Jonathan Sutherland wore, special team guy, but has played a lot of football. Can play the Sam, can play the Will. Had a force fumble against Rutgers. Uh, just is going to be in the right spot. Maybe he isn't the most athletically talented compared to you know a five star, or a four star guy, but um he he's going to make sure he's in the right spot, which which I think is pretty important. So uh, nice to see Saucy. him. Go ahead. Saucy. Saucy, yes, and go get buy his a sauce. sauce buy a sauce um we'll have to wait and see kind of where they end up as far. I think he's now playing in the Sam spot um but those salmon wills have been bouncing around quite a bit, so we'll have to kind of see where everyone kind of ends up
2: uh go ahead, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the crazy thing about the Luke is I don't think I've ever heard like a bad report about him. Or been like, ah, oh, DeLuca he really sucked today. <laughs> I mean, it's just nothing but positives about him. And I think when you have that chip on your shoulder, like I'm sure he had, he was a fantastic high school football player. And in his mind, he probably thinks, I should have already had a scholarship. And I think that could keep you motivated. And he's proven he could play at this level. Like if it's if it's late in the game and we have Dom DeLuca in the game, I trust him. And I think that's I think that's high praise because I'm I'm not always the most trusting <laughs> late in games. Part of it is I don't trust myself not to expire, but also I just get so nervous. But if I see him in there, I'm not going to be like, "Oh boy," and like saying a prayer because Don DeLuca's in the game. Like he's got, yeah. and yeah. I'll feel good about him.
0: I was just going to mention a freshman linebackers uh, keys Rojas Robinson continue to impress. we mentioned that last week. I did hear good things about Keon Wiley. That was a name we weren't yep. sure of. So that was nice to hear some good stuff about Keon Wiley because linebacker was banged up right at the beginning of the season. Last year showed some flashes late, uh, especially in Rose Bowl. He had a sack. So it was nice to see him kind of get talked about a little bit as far as where he is in the depth chart, who knows, but uh, still at that Mike spot. So you've got some depth now at that Mike linebacker spot uh, with Elsin, King, Wiley, and Robinson. Um, and and I'm not saying you necessarily feel amazing about Robinson and Wiley yet, but, you know, at least you got some names that you know there and you, and you, you have four names there because uh, you weren't really sure if you had four names
2: this time last year. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think we did. <laughs> I don't know. We barely felt good about the top two guys who were playing all the time and I certainly didn't feel good about anything uh, behind them. But uh nothing but positives about the freshmen. Uh we we expect Tony Rojas to burn his red shirt. I don't know about the other two. Uh but certainly I expect to see good amount of Tony Rojas, and I think he might play every game this year.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've mentioned the Tony Rojas hype train quite a bit. Um, Let's go defensive backs. I think we have our first four corners pretty much set. Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, Daquan Hardy, and Cam Miller are are your four starters there that we feel pretty set about. Johnny Dixon probably not being discussed enough. I really think Johnny Dixon – it's going to be hard to argue this in the grand scheme of things, but you could make the argument that this corner tandem and King and Dixon could be better than JPJ and King. I mean, JPJ didn't play a lot last year, but I'm just saying, like that's, that's how much they're getting talked about right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he can make an argument
2: last season that Johnny Dixon's most improved guy in the team. And um I think he's going to be ready to step up in that spot. Go from being an average player to being a good contributor to being a starter. And those are all steps. And how good of a starter are you going to be? And I think he has potential to be a to be a good to really good one. And I remind people that he makes an impact all over the field like he could play now i think they're gonna they're gonna be biased towards safeties with this he could play that prowler package like he he, he he with corners you either have the ability to blitz and make and make noise in the backfield or you don't and he does and not every not every quarterback could do that like he has a knack for being able to find quarterback um You know, disrupt those bubble screens. Kalen King can do the same thing. So I think these are going to be more aggressive corners than uh, the tandem of Kalen King and Joey Porter. Kalen is aggressive, but I think Johnny Dixon plays a little bit more aggressive than uh, aggressive on the ball than Joey Porter Jr. does. Hmm. What? I don't know if I agree with that. Well, I mean, Joey. Uh, I'll rephrase. Joey Porter Jr. had one interception in his whole career. Like I think he was more of. I would. I would big say big body. I, he's gonna. He's gonna break up passes. No question about that. But I think he could do more. I. I, 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 I
1: would say Dixon's ball skills are better.
2: Yeah. But he he just makes makes noise constantly.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with the ball like I agree. I think he has better ball skills, but I I think JPJ was pretty it's probably too physical at times. And I think Dixon at times can be too physical too. Um and we'll have to pay attention to him and Hardy on on how they handle the the pass interferences. Um is interesting because you've got a just amount of talent there all over the place. Um, we've talked extensively about uh, Keaton Ellis. We've talked a lot about Jalen Reed. We've talked a lot about Zaki Wheatley, but then you got Kevin Vincent jr. Um, you got Elliot Robinson and King Mac, who probably could play a little bit in the dime cor- dime nickel spot, as well as the safety spot. Um, and you got Dakari Nelson back there too. So you just, there's so much just uber talent and, and, and and different kinds of talent. Dakari Nelson, a little bit bigger. King Mac, a little bit smaller. Um, just so much going on there, Sean. It's hard to really figure out where people stand. You know, you're going to get a lot of those, you know, first three guys. But um, you and I are high on on, on Kevin Winston Jr. Um, but we've heard a lot of things about all these guys so far, and that they are tackling well in space, and that they're coming up and making plays so far in practice.
2: Yeah, there's an insane abundance of talent at that safety spot. Now, a lot of it, it admittedly, is
1: unproven or um, they haven't been asked to be the guy,
2: but they're going to be able to do it. Like, I have an insane amount of confidence in the safety room. And, you know, Keaton Ellis, um, I I think Franklin wants to see him use those ball skills that he knows he has and be able to have more takeaways this season. Um, uh, and I'm expecting it, and we really need it. Uh, this is a defense. Manny Diaz's defenses rely heavily on being able to take the ball away. And last year, I mean, that's that's what Jair Brown does. So. Keaton Ellis, uh, we know that Key Wheatley was turnover king last year in camp. Could he step up? Uh, Jalen Reed, and then you know we're not even talking about and KJ Winston, and we're not even getting into the younger guys like like Makai Flowers, um, and like a Dakari Nelson, and a name that you keep hearing over and over again, and he's another guy that I think might they they might not be able to redshirt him is king mac like he's a guy who's the aim constantly is coming up just his athleticism his speed and just being able to make plays all over the field so i don't think he's gonna have necessarily a huge role in this defense but he's he's i think he might be too good to keep off the field and I I think you could see him a lot on special teams, especially, special, especially.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, You ready to do a trivia grid? Let's do it. All righty. Let's finish with some fan questions. I wasn't able to get...
2: I was thinking Deshaun Hamilton for that last one, by the way. The Broncos. For AFC touchdown receiving and rushing receiving in a year? No, 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 for Deshaun, uh, touchdown versus Ohio State. Ah, okay.
0: Um, yeah, okay. So, so I don't have the fan questions popping up on the screen yet. I haven't figured out how we want to do that moving forward yet. Um, Do have some fan questions we want to discuss, though? And first question here is from Steve Silver. Penn State has won at least – oh, my goodness, I already butchered it. Let me start over. Penn State has won at Ohio State once in my lifetime, if we don't count whatever 2011 was, while wins at home versus Michigan have been somewhat more common. That said, Michigan has been better than Ohio State these last two years, which is more likely a win at home versus Michigan or away at Ohio State? I know we had kind of a question like this last
1: week, but which, which one is more likely um, might be a little bit different.
0: Then, then the same question, kind of. So I would say opposite. I know what his train of thought is, right? Because we don't really win at Ohio State very often. But I think I'm going to say Ohio State's more likely to win. I really do. It's the opposite of what you would normally think, but I, I really do believe
1: that. Think of it this way. Yes, I agree with you. Think of it this way. How many games did we go into Columbus where we were the better team?
2: Not that many, right? I mean, you can make an argument, 17. But really, the depth wasn't where it needed to be. I mean, Ryan Buckwaltz and Ryan Bates got hurt, and it was like a Chernobyl meltdown at both spots. And that just doesn't happen this year. If God forbid we lose two important guys on the team, it'll just be next man up, and it won't be like next man up where you're like uh, chewing your nails down, to, down, down to the nub. I think we'd be able to roll with punches a little bit better. So that knowing that in 2011 we were just better than Ohio State was. Ohio State just wasn't good, wasn't very good that year. And then in 08, yeah, we had a better team. It was no mistake that we went to Columbus and beat them. Outside of that, though, in my lifetime, there wasn't a time where we went into Columbus and beat Ohio State because we weren't as good as Ohio State. And we certainly weren't better than Ohio State. So that's why I would say this year it's more likely that we beat Ohio State than Michigan. Yeah,
1: no, I agree. Uh, let's go to our next question.
0: Sean, this will be kind of be of a spitfire one. Who are your top five quarterbacks in the Big Ten this season? Rank them. And uh, this is from Chris Powell, who says his favorite non-alcoholic drink is Diet Coke, and his favorite alcoholic
1: drink is tequila. So all he needs is tequila.
2: So Chris Powell, one of my oldest friends, um the number one quarterback in the Big Ten is Drew Aller. The number two is Bo Prabula. The number three no. Um so <laughs> I think you gotta go McCarthy. Uh he's just he's up top. Um it's hard for me to rank these guys in order, but I guess I would go McCarthy. Uh I would probably go with Talia Tungavailoa two too. Ugh.
1: Um, Maybe Cade McNamara 3? But even that, that's a stretch and a half.
2: <sighs> maybe Aller 4? Like, I'm sorry, I don't like anointing Drew Aller before he's done anything. I just don't. And then... The
1: number five quarterback in the Big Ten. I guess I go with Tanner Mordecai. Yeah, uh,
2: but spoiler alert, I, I don't think this is a very good slate of quarterbacks in the Big Ten this season. Yeah, you compare these quarterbacks to
0: like the Pac-12, and it's like, wow, it's rough. Yeah, I mean, I they've got some really just, good. You think about but, the Pac-12, they've got. I have Kate got...
2: McNamara in the top three.
0: I mean, no. I mean, Pac-12, you got um, DJ Uligale. you got Bo Nix, you got Michael Penix Jr. You've got uh, Dante Moore from UCLA. You got... um, Rising. Cam Rising, obviously. And Dion's son. I don't know how he's going to translate, but... I, I didn't even mention Caleb Williams.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean... So... They got a bunch, and the Big Ten doesn't. I would go if I had to. I'd go one, McCarthy, two, Tagovailoa, but three I go Mordecai. Four I go Aller. Five I would go McCord. I don't care. I don't. I don't. I just. I just think McCord's better than anyone else that you could throw out there. Um,
1: I think carried McNamara's poop <laughs> into the playoffs. Okay. that You know that doesn't mean anything. These, it means he could win football
0: games. He didn't win any of those games for them. None of them. One at Penn Zero. State. Zero. Because somebody ran into somebody, not because of McNamara.
1: He had three touchdowns.
0: Don't get me started,
2: Sean. <laughs> he's a Rex Grossman of college I'm football. i not saying he's anything special. This is a very down year for quarterbacks in the Big Tech going into it. Uh, we I'm might not be saying it's three. All right. I might have a totally you different haven't even opinion. Mentioned... Midway through the year, you
0: haven't you haven't even mentioned who his offensive coordinator is. This is true. Fair point. All right, let's get to Sean's question. On a scale of one to ten, how concerned are you about the kickers, punters? As everyone who watches the weekly YouTube show knows. My favorite thing to drink is Dr. Pepper. Diet Dr. Pepper. Um, yes, we know you love your diet, Dr. Pepper. Scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate the quarterbacks? Scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate the quarter... Uh, Lord, punters I'm losing games. my mind. Yeah. Scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate special teams? Um, I would rate... If we're going to separate kickers and punters, I would give the kickers a solid 6, and I would give the punters a solid 5, honestly, right now. Oh, so you have at. kickers ahead of punters a smidgen but okay. if six to five makes you feel that much better yeah. i guess yeah yeah um pretty and mediocre, honestly that five yeah. i mean those are volatile numbers right like that five and six can become a seven or a nine very quickly um we just don't know any better but we have heard things of inconsistency out of camp so that terrifies me um especially the punting right like Let's take a a game where maybe it's raining and Drew Aller can't throw the ball very well and the run game is just a little slow and we're not moving the ball and we can't punt the ball either. Like, and to get us out of a jam, like that's when you start to be concerned about losing to somebody you shouldn't. So, yeah, yeah, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm concerned.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: I share your concern. And,
2: you know, maybe they surprised us. I didn't feel very good about Barney going into this year. But one of the things that made me feel better about Barney is by summer, it was pretty much established he had the job and that he was going to beat out uh, Buketta, And that really hasn't happened yet this year. So
1: that kind of worries me. Yeah, I, I I would hope punting we feel better about soon, but I'm just not sure.
0: This is actually a fun question from Dorito Bandit. What currently unranked Big Ten team has the best chance of finishing the year ranked? His favorite drink is
1: Dr. Pepper. Just so everybody knows, you got Penn State, you got Michigan,
0: Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Iowa as your ranked teams. So got to be somebody that's not one of those. Which team not currently ranked in the Big Ten
1: do you like the most? Do you think could be ranked by the end of the year, Sean? <laughs> you would
2: probably clown me for saying this. I was for hoping you would. This team in particular, because you might know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's either one of two teams now. It, it might be the Maryland Terrapins. Just process of elimination, because it's the Big Ten West... I, it's gonna take. I think it's gonna take a few years for Matt Rill to get Nebraska off the mat. Uh, Purdue is gonna be in a rebuild. Northwestern, we all know their issues. Uh, Rutgers, I just uh, we'll see. Indiana's not gonna be any good, and Sparty's kind of a mess right now. So Maryland, <laughs> I, I would probably go with Maryland. I mean, they do have one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. I, I know it's it's not a very, we just went over how, you know, the quarterbacks aren't anything right home about the conference, but nonetheless he is, he could win you a game here or there by himself. And they have a good coaching staff. So I'll go Maryland.
1: Yeah. I was thinking Maryland too. Um, but to keep it fun, I think I, I think Nebraska
0: somebody to pay attention to. They don't have to do very much to get ranked. They just have to take care of business over there. If they beat a ranked Iowa and a ranked Wisconsin, and one of those, that will get them pretty close. They have Michigan. I don't think they have Ohio State this year. Obviously, they don't have Penn State. So um, I don't know
1: if that necessarily happens. But, uh, yeah, I, I like your Maryland pick too. Final question, Sean.
0: From Einstein Von Braun, Mr. Mr. would like to know how the three-way tie works in the Big Ten East. And would the Big Ten get two teams in the playoff with that scenario? Who gets left out? Favorite alcoholic drink is bourbon. Non-alcoholic, a Coke with a lemon. So, first of all, just so everybody knows how it works, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State are all tied at 11-1 you go down the tiebreakers all the way to the point where you take the conference division games and whoever has the best combined conference division record, um, opponent's record would get the nod. And, uh, Joel Klatt just did this on his show yep. and Ohio state has by Vegas's odds, the best chance, um, to win that. I think there are like 20 games, uh, for their record wins 20 uh, i want to yep. say and then michigan was at if i remember correctly was at 18 yep and penn state was at 17 and a half yep and that was off that was off the top of my head so i'll take that pretty good that i have been remember that so not looking great most of that's because northwestern's expected to do nothing um so we'll have to wait and see there northwestern magically does something that Northwestern would do and win a couple games that drastically changes quickly cuz Penn State does have Iowa and potentially a, a solid team in Illinois too. So, um, we'll have to kind of wait and see there, but uh that's how it works. I don't know how it would work as far as the playoff goes. Obviously, the team that gets to the Big 10 and gets a chance to win the Big 10 championship would probably be a lock. And then You'd have to think margin of victory would play a role. How did each team lose to each other? All that would all that would really play into things. Um, the good thing maybe for Penn State is their loss would might happen earlier in the year. They, somebody would have someone has to lose the Ohio State, Michigan game. That's how college football works. And so someone's last game is going to be a loss. And point. I think that bodes well for Penn State. I don't know if that makes a difference in a long run. Maybe if it's a down to the you know quadruple quadruple overtime, and that really doesn't sit well, and that hurts Penn State's case. But if one team wins by ten points, you think that would that would really make Penn State feel well, you know, feel like
1: they're in a pretty good position. But who knows?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it would just be a heck of a lot easier if we just go twelve and all, and not have to worry about this, but. Yeah, in the event of a tiebreaker, I mean, going into the season, we don't know how things are going to turn out, obviously. It doesn't look like you'd be Penn State's best path to Indy. But like Corey said, it doesn't necessarily mean we're out of the playoff discussion. Uh, Last year, Ohio State didn't make the Big Ten title game. And if um, they don't shank a field goal, they're probably the national champs last year. And... That's kind of that. That's kind of how it works. Like it's not necessarily the end of the world if we don't win. If we don't win the Big Ten, but it's all about what the voters decide. I mean, and then it's not just the Big Ten teams they're considering. It's the champion in the ACC and uh, how many SEC teams are getting in. Right. So there's there's so many things that we can't even imagine yet. <laughs> Before we start getting into playoff scenarios, I mean last year I think we had a rule I think Corey had to tell me a couple of times don't talk about the playoffs because we'd be yeah. talking, I'd, I'd want to talk about playoff scenarios in like early October so it's certainly you know in August I don't think it's worth spinning our wheels over, but don't worry we will when we're getting ready for bed and thinking about what if we're eleven and one but they're all, they're both eleven and one. <laughs>
0: It'll be fun. It'll be, uh, it'll be fun. Um, again, I just want to, for people on the podcast probably didn't affect them as much, but people will watch on YouTube. Just want to apologize again. I know we had some technical difficulties throughout the show today. We're, uh, obviously changing some things up and things got a little complicated. Um, just going to be a work in progress for a little bit, been doing this, this kind of the same way for a year now. And so we're changing some things up. So just getting used to it. But, um, very very much appreciate you guys listening to the show um, from the get go and continuing to listen throughout the last basically two years and uh, you know just again you know I started podcasting in 2019 and just kind of BSing and, and doing different things and Hardcore CFB was what we started in October and then eventually switched over to hardcore PSUFB and here we are so um it's just crazy that we're at this point it's awesome that that Mercury and company took a chance on us but um it wouldn't be because without you guys listening and uh you know the the questions that you bring in the five star reviews all that stuff played a role so thank you very much and uh also thank you to Sean because
1: uh the show would not be the show without the co-host so so thank you man thank you Corey. thanks for obviously the
2: opportunity to be able to do this uh I, and just like where we've taken off and i mean Corey does so much for this show so much i mean behind the scenes you guys don't even have any idea so just he's the man trust me on it and um yeah, and I also second what he said about uh about you guys because without you we're just two guys talking and well that's fun and all. Um we could do that all day. Yeah, I mean <laughs> we definitely could and but that's really what we are then. But you guys are the reason we do this and it's it's been a ton of fun. And we're just gonna keep growing with this partnership with Mercury and with with Corey, and me and you guys so let's keep going and then also thanks again to michael higgins for the great yeah it's, that's becoming a fun part of the show for us
0: yeah yeah still got to figure out some things there too but uh for sure so uh we'll be back next week is this is the uh is a season preview show it's going to be extra long we pretty much of all but confirmed that Adam Brenneman will be on the show for that as well so that'll be fantastic little little uh, Easter egg for people that listen to the very end so probably gonna start that one at 7 Eastern instead of 8 Eastern so it's probably gonna be a little bit longer anyways
2: any final thoughts Sean before we get out of here no? no it was a good show tonight good you know like Cory said there's we're switching over to doing some new things but overall I think it went pretty smooth for our first time yeah, 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 we'll get there. So, uh, for
0: Sean Kane, I'm Corey Lestoki. You've been listening to Hardcore PSUFB. Catch you next time, everybody. See ya. Yeah. Yeah.